From the Orange County Fire Authority, this is the Pass Along Podcast, where we address firefighter issues from top to bottom, from your helmet down to your boots. Now, here's your host. All right, uh, good morning. Uh, this is Kenny Dossey, a Deputy Chief of the Operations Bureau. Uh, it's December 22nd. Uh, this is the seventh podcast of 2021. Uh, today's guest is BC Shane Mall. Good morning, Shane. Good morning, Chief. And uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. Uh, we've got a pretty good agenda here. Um, but let me start with my normal, why are we doing this podcast? This is about getting the message out, uh, being transparent with, um, with everybody kind of having an idea of what's going on. Remember, 77 stations and three shifts. It's very difficult especially with COVID right now, to get around and, and get the message out. Um, we still use all our other normal means of uh, communicating. This is just one more. So this morning on the agenda, um, Chief Mall's here, uh, and he's going to go over uh, Air Ops, the section. We'll highlight it. We'll ask him some questions about it. Uh, then we'll go back to our questions from the field. That seems to be getting a little bit more popular, and I've got a bunch of them here we'll uh, go over together. And then uh, we'll end with an update off the last last podcast. I know we talked about staffing, so I'll update a little bit on uh, the progress and the promotions, uh, some updates on Fullerton, and the COVID we'll end with. So with uh, that being said, we'll go ahead and jump right into this. Uh, Chief, uh, if you don't mind, I'll ask you the basic you know, fire service 101 question. <laughs> Tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, maybe in relations to uh, the fire service and uh, Air Ops also. All right. Well, good morning. Yeah, I appreciate you you having me in. Uh, my name's for those who haven't met me. My name's Shane Mall. Uh, I'm currently assigned as the program manager for our air operations program here with the OCFA. Uh, my fire service career started 18 years ago in the city of Garden Grove. Uh, there, I was able to work my way up through the ranks, and in 2017, I was promoted to battalion chief there. And then in 2019, I came over here to OCFA with all my other Garden Grove employees in the transition, and uh, I was fortunate enough to come over as a battalion chief there. Um, yeah, and then in uh, 2020, that brings me into this position. I was given the opportunity to come in as a program manager for the Air Operations Program, which, to be honest, I was shocked at the opportunity. Um, I do not have a aviation background. I have a background in managing programs and, and people and leading people, but um, I don't have an aviation background, so I never saw this opportunity coming. Um, so it's been an honor to be to be in this position and to have this opportunity. Um, it's been a huge learning curve for me. I continue to learn every day, but uh, it's truly an honor to be able to go to Station 41 and, and lead and work with uh, the members of the Air Ops section. I look forward to doing it into the future as long as I can. Yeah, thanks. That's a great background, and uh, we appreciate you coming in there. We know that you are doing a great job, and uh, everybody that goes in there initially doesn't really have the background, so uh, we know that you're going to uh, do fine things in there. Uh, this question is a good one for you, and I'm sure you've learned it uh, quickly, but can you just give us a brief um, history of you know, kind of the Air Ops program, where it started, and kind of where we are? Yeah, definitely. Um, so the program started really in the wake of the devastating Laguna fire in 1993. This was a fire that started in October, a hot, dry um, Santa Ana wind event um, that was going on then. At that time, the OCFA did not have any firefighting aircraft um, available or, or with the agency. Uh, so on that fire, the first arriving aircraft didn't arrive until two hours into the fast moving fire. 
Um, at that point, the fire had already gone to over 3,000 acres, and it hit the city of Laguna Beach really hard. And all in all, they lost 441 structures and $435 million in property loss. Um, and that was in 1993. So that led to the decision uh, to the OCFA, starting an air ops program internally here. Uh, we were able to acquire uh, two UH-1 helicopters through a federal excess property acquisition. Um, and those helicopters were then sent out to be converted into firefighting aircraft, also known as the Super Hueys, which I think everybody probably is more familiar with. Um, and those Super Hueys were placed in service in 1995. Uh, moving along, uh, the program kept moving along, and in 1999, they added a hoist to the helicopter and began the hoist rescue program, which was a huge uh, upgrade in our mission and our capabilities. And then in 2008, um, progressing into the future, the agency purchased two uh, Bell 412 helicopters, and uh, this was a big improvement for our program as as the Hueys were a, a single-engine um, helicopter. The, the two Bell 412s added a second engine, a dual engine, um, which increased safety and efficiency of our helicopters. So that was a big upgrade. Um, OCFA has always been at the forefront of firefighting and, and, and moved on to getting night vision goggle program going here with the OCFA, which um, allowed us to fly and, and fight fires at night, which really made OCFA one of the first and only agencies at that time with the ability to drop water on fires at night. Um, moving forward in 2015, the OCFA air operations transitioned to providing 24 hours um, of service. And in 2016, we added a helicopter paramedic rescuer position to the helicopter, which was a big addition as this gave us a paramedic that was constantly assigned to our rescue helicopter to provide uh, patient care on all the rescues that we were outperforming. And in 2018, shortly after Chief Fennessy came into his position, the 10-hour uh, fire ship was put in place. And this is a dedicated firefighting helicopter that's staffed 365 days a year. And then as, uh, as we came into 2020, the Super Hueys that really got the program started were taken out of service. And the reason being the major maintenance and overhaul that was needed to keep those aircraft uh, operating safely for our crews flying on them uh, was getting too high. And really the decision was made to take them out of service just for safety of our personnel and, and, and any patients that we might be flying around. And that really brings us uh, to where we are today in the Air Ops program. Well, that's perfect, uh, Shane, and that'll transition for us right into the next question is, how many helicopters do we have and personnel? And I know you kind of touched on it a little bit, but today, wh what do we have? If I'm a captain in the field, what, what's working today? Yeah, that's a good question, um, just for everybody to understand. So we, we staff two helicopters 365 days a year. In theory, we have four helicopters in our fleet, but like I mentioned, the two Hueys are out of service. So we staff the two Bell 412 helicopters um, daily. Uh, the primary helicopter is staffed 24 hours a day for firefighting and rescue. On that helicopter, you have a pilot, you have a crew chief, which is the fire captain that sits up front, um, and he'll be doing the one, the one talking on the radio. And then we have a helicopter paramedic rescuer as well on that one. We also staff the fire ship, and that's staffed for 10 hours per day during the daylight hours, and that has a pilot and a crew chief on it. Uh, we also have a helicopter mechanic crew of four maintainers who honestly work tirelessly to keep these helicopters in service. Uh, helicopters are very intricate machines, and, and they take a lot of maintenance and, and work to keep them safe and effective for the crews flying on them and for the people that we fly around. So uh, our, our maintenance crew is incredible, and, and they work every day as well. 
That's a great overview, and uh, I'm glad you included the maintenance guys because <laughs> when I was assigned up there, uh, there wasn't as many, but we definitely really relied on them heavily and, and a lot of trust, and I know they do a fantastic job up there. I know Johnny Wilson as the, uh, as the lead is uh, fantastic, so I'm glad you dropped their names for sure. <laughs> um, well, that kind of leads me to the next question is, okay, you talked about the past and where we are today. You know, where's the section uh, going or, or where is AirOps generally going in the fire service today? Uh, you talked earlier about us getting the 412s and being cutting edge in 08. And here we are, you know, what's that, 13, 14 years later. Kind of kind of where's it going? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, this The program has been developed over a long time by, by truly visionaries that really started this program in the beginning. And so it's an honor to even be in this position uh, to kind of bring it forward into the future. So yeah, I'm excited about some things coming up. Obviously, first and foremost is the need to upgrade the fleet of helicopters that we currently have. Um, I mentioned the fleet of the Super Hueys, they were taken out of service in 2020. And that was definitely the right decision for the right reason. And it was done to keep crews and, and people flying on them safe. Um, the Hueys served a function for many years, but really it's time to upgrade our fleet as as the community grows here in Orange County and the call the incidents that we respond to continue to grow every year. It's time for us to to move up in our in our helicopter um, abilities that we have. So um, I'm not sure um, how many people are aware, but an outside consulting company named Conklin and Decker was hired to do a fleet analysis of our helicopters and our program. And basically, what they do, they specialize in this. Um, they look at the community that we serve, the incidents that we respond to. Uh, the actual helicopters that we current ha currently have within our program, as well as the geography of the county that we, they serve. And they come up with an analysis of what kind of helicopters would best suit the community that we serve. And, and really coming out of that report, um, it was a great report, um, really coming out of that report was that the S70i, uh, more commonly known as the Firehawk, was the recommended airframe that really would meet the needs of the community and the multi-mission program that we have here within the OCFA. Um, the S-70I, the Firehawk, as most people are pretty aware, is the industry standard um, in aerial firefighting these days. Most agencies around us are going to that, including L.A. County, San Diego City, Cal Fire, Ventura County, Santa Barbara. They've all met, moved to the S-70I platform um, as it is the safest platform um, and, and just an incredible firefighting platform that's out there. Um, the improved airframe not only has... Uh, an engine and avionics safety components that'll greatly increase the safety of our crews, but it has a capability of dropping up to a thousand gallons of water per drop on any fire. And just to put that in perspective, our current type two helicopters, though they are great helicopters, uh, they're only capable of dropping up to 350 gallons. Uh, so increasing to a thousand gallons per drop is essentially a, a almost triple the amount of uh, water that we're able to drop. Um, so really, that, that's probably our first and foremost uh, need that we have within the section. Um, a staff report has been delivered to the Board of Directors along with the Conklin and Decker report, and we really look forward to uh, working with them and, and moving this into the future. Some other noted things within the AirOps program that we're really looking to move forward. Like I said, this program's been developed by visionaries through the year, and, and so as the call volume goes up and our types of calls that we're responding to continue to change and grow, um, we see some vision going forward as ways we can adapt 
in, as going into the future. Um, one of those that we're really uh, working towards and would like to accomplish in the future would be the addition of a helicopter paramedic rescuer to the to the helicopter. Currently, we do have one rescuer on the helicopter, which is fantastic. Um, but as as everyone knows, a lot of the remote rescues that we respond to out in the hills are in locations where um, where ground crews aren't able to get to them, and it really it really puts that rescuer in a difficult position for a while to be able to do patient care and manipulate the patient all alone. So um, if we can move towards adding a second helicopter paramedic rescuer to our helicopter, we'd be able to provide much better patient care and safety for our crews out working out there. Um, another thing that as, as our call volume goes up, as the fire season in Orange County moves to pretty much a year-round fire season, um, one thing that we would really like to move towards in the future would be moving the 10-hour fire ship to a 24-hour model. Um, this is something that would more than double our, our coverage that we're able to provide. Um, we all know that, that fires don't only start during the day. Many of our large fires, such as a Silverado and the bonfire, started overnight. And if we could move to having both aircraft staffed 24 hours a day, um, it'd give us the opportunity to get two helicopters on in the initial dispatch when any fire starts within the county. So that would be something that we see as we go into the future as something that would be highly valuable. Um, we also have a bunch of administrative things that we're working on as a program. Our helicopter handbook, which was developed in 1999, is being updated. Um, we're looking to try and evaluate and, and create a, a lead crew chief position just to keep all of our crew chiefs safe and working efficiently. And then one thing I just wanted to hit on because it is a big um, movement in aviation and, and air operations throughout the state and it's also something that we're doing here is drone operations and UAV operations. It is a very hot topic throughout the state. Um, UAV operations is growing um, immensely through the state um, and, and it's also growing here within the OCFA. And if you don't know, our OCFA does have a drone team of our own. We have 12 members within the OCFA who are part of that team. Um, Irvine PD also supports us um, and has a drone team and they have a sprinter van and provide a lot of uh, assistance to us. And uh, we, over this past year, it's probably been the most our UAV program has been used. It's been used on structure fires, vegetation fires, uh, cliff rescues, uh, USAR incident, and the mud and debris flow responses. So it's been a really useful program. Um, should any of you listening or out there as an IC and you see a need for a drone on any incident, uh, don't hesitate to call. Just uh, request it through the ECC and we'll work to get a team out there for you. Wow, great overview, man. You went from A to Z. Um, yeah, well, there's a lot, but I mean, I, I like the vision that, uh, that you have there and, and uh, where the future is going to go. It's not just staying stagnant. It's, it's You guys can see where you need to go and, and how we need to get there potentially. And then the UAVs, I, I think we've barely even scratched the surface on uh, what they're going to be doing in the future, you know, 20 years from now. It'd probably be standard issue on a lot of pieces of equipment, but who knows. Yeah. Um, but really good overview. I'm going to jump forward into the next uh, question, which I think is pretty pretty pertinent to the some of the stuff you've already covered here, but let's go over it anyway. So what is the mission of AirOps? Yeah, the, the mission of AirOps is essentially the same as the mission of OCFA as a whole. We obviously want to provide to the communities we serve and provide exceptional emergency support services um, and preserve the quality of life for our residents. But but obviously within AirOps, we, we provide that service a little bit differently than the engines uh, working out in the field. 
we do have a multi-mission aviation program um, that provides really the following services both day and night, which is important to know. We were able to do both of these day and night. Um, we have a, obviously aerial firefighting, rescue, and, and, and search missions, uh, swift water rescue, large animal rescue. We've actually had a couple large animal rescues just in this past year. Um, transport of personnel and equipment during large-scale incidents. Anytime there's uh, equipment or people that need to be transported, we can do that. Uh, we respond to the mud and debris flows uh, for rescue and reconnaissance missions, as well as fire mapping. And honestly, if there's an incident um, that anyone's on, and you want an aerial view of what it is that you have going on, um, you're always welcome to call for our helicopters and they can provide some great intel from the air. Um, really over the past couple of years, the incidents in OCFA that our helicopters respond to have really more than doubled. And I think that's probably because of the growing population and then the growing need for people to be outside and join this beautiful county. So that's really the mission of our program. Yeah, I think that's important that you hit that it's a multi-mission uh aircraft and, and use for OCFA. It's not like the QRF program, which is dropping water. This is this is separate. It can drop water, but it also does all those other rescue and all those other type things that you've you've listed. So there needs to be a, uh, a good distinguished distinguishment between the two, which which is important. And then I'm just going to jump ahead into question. Next question about QRF. I mean, since I mentioned it, you want, it's probably a good time right now just quickly yeah. to give an overview. Yeah, perfect. Um, so QRF, uh, you guys have probably heard that out there, the buzzword um, QRF, it's, it's the quick reaction force. This is really, um, Chief Fennessy is really the visionary for, for this quick reaction force. Uh, we have had uh, contract aircraft from Colson in the county for the last couple of years, as everyone's aware of. Um, but this year was really the initiation of the QRF or the quick reaction force. Um, just in general, just an overview, the program's funded by Southern California Edison. Um, and it's really to provide fire protection in their service area, which is a, obviously we all know that a lot of fires do start from power lines and things like that. So it's a great way for them to protect their service areas um, and they are funding the program. So the intent of the QRF or the Quick Reaction Force is really to provide um, an initial punch of aviation resources to fires um, that get started in that initial attack phase and try and keep these fires from, from becoming large fires and really stopping their, their destructive paths down the road. So um, the intent is to be able to hit the fire with multiple Type 1 aircraft along with, with, our, uh, with our Type 2 OCFA helicopters and really stop and slow that spread of that fire so that the, hand, the crews can get in there and do the good work on the ground that they do. Um, as far as what the program has um, with it, it has three, so the QRF, is between a few different counties, us, LA County, Fire Department, and Ventura County. Um, within those three counties, there are three Type 1 helicopters. We have a CH-47 here in Orange County, which is a Chinook. You guys have all seen that, the big helicopter. Uh, LA County also has a Chinook. And then there's an S-61, which is up in Ventura County. And that, though all three of those uh, Type 1 helicopters are part of that QRF program. Uh, there's also a Helco platform. Um, Helco 76 was uh, stationed right here in Fullerton in Orange County. And that uh, Helco platform is to provide aerial supervision for those helicopters while flying on any incidents. And then the full QRF package comes with a mobile retardant base, um, or known as an MRB, um, if you've heard that one out there. And what an MRB is, it's not new technology, but having it 
assigned to this program is new technology, so it responds with it. And it's really to provide the ability for helicopters to drop retardant early on in fires. So in theory, when the QRF is launched, the entire package goes and starts setting up so that they will, within that initial attack phase, uh, be able to be dropping retardant. Um, I mentioned the CH-47 and the Helco platform are here in Orange County. Um, the helicopters in Orange County are managed by an OCFA member um, as a helicopter uh, manager, and he managed all their flight hours, rest time, and things like that. So we do have an OCFA employee uh, managing them. And then the, those copters are dispatched on any medium and high watershed dispatch here in Orange County. Uh, the program's new in the aviation community, so it is a work in progress. Um, but this year it did get out on some larger fires. Um, and do some good work both day and night and also dropped retardant on uh, the Alisal fire, the French fire, and the Dixie fire. So it's kind of an overview of that program. Well, that's good. Uh, and I got a couple follow-ups for you or just confirmation for you on questions that I hear often and, and I, I'm continuously repeating myself. But um, dropping retardant at night from a helicopter is, is something new. That's definitely visionary. And that's something that this program does. Yeah, this, this program does that. Um, this program did that this year, um, and that is something completely new um, in aviation, uh, the ability to drop retardant at night. Most It's usually tankers that are dropping retardant during the day, so to have helicopters be able to come in and do it at night, and at night the fires really lay down anyway, so to just be able to get retardant out and really slow that fire, the crews can wake up in the morning and, and have a lot safer uh, fires to work yeah. on and then knowing how long it takes to get retardant set up with the fact that there's something that's responding makes it a lot uh, more convenient and quicker for sure the second question i have for you is just a simple one it's pretty straightforward but and you said it a little bit so edison pays for this thing unless it gets assigned to a fire then the fire pays for it correct correct so when edison pays for it and then when it is requested to a fire and it responds to a fire then the fire reimburses for it, just like any other resource. Perfect. Yeah, that's the question I get a lot, and, and people seem to get a little bit confused on that. So that's important that we clear that up. Um, okay, uh, I've got one more question for you here and related to AirOps, and it's just, uh, can you give us an update on the relationship uh, between OCFA and the sheriff? I know in the past we've had some issues, and where are we today with that? Yeah, uh, that's, that's a great question. Uh, currently, the relationship is great. I know it's had some, uh, some tricky times in the past, um, but fortunately that was before me, but, uh, but yeah, the relationship really is great. I think when Chief Fennessy came in, he worked really hard with the sheriff and kind of made it a mission to fix that relationship. Um, and really the program managers before me, Chief Craig Covey and Tim Perkins, they, I think were really the ones who came in and worked hard, uh, with the, with the sheriffs to create these great relationships. And honestly, I've kind of piggybacked off of that. And since I've come into my position, the relationship has been great. Um, the OCFA and the Sheriff's Department do get together with our Air Ops programs a couple times a year for training events. Uh, we get together right at the beginning of uh, fire season for a fire traffic area uh, training, which is good collaboration between the two uh, agencies. And then just last month, we had a training as uh, the sheriffs have gone to a different rescue platform. Um, we had a training with our ground crews as well as our Air Ops crews to kind of go over what that looks like and, and the safety and, and of working around that. Um, I, I speak with my counterpart over in the sheriff's department weekly and we do call reviews and things like that. So the relationship is really, really great. And then, uh, just for those that aren't aware, we do have a working agreement with the sheriff's department that kind of outlines our roles with, uh, rescue and for just for everyone's awareness. Um, 
So OCFA has primary rescue responsibilities Monday through Thursday and all nights of the week. And then the sheriff covers rescue on Friday through Sunday. That's great. So, uh, so I, I want to add on to that uh, last question that I asked you. Um, and it goes right into our questions from the field. And uh, the question is, uh, I understand the sheriff's department is no longer flying the UH-1 Huey helicopter. Does this mean they will no longer be providing a rescue airship? Yeah, so that's a good question. So, yeah, you mentioned that the sheriffs were dealing with the Hueys um, and maintenance issues just like we were. Uh, so their Hueys are out of service and really for an unknown downtime. That being said, uh, we were covering rescue for them for, for a period of time, and then um, they made the decision to continue to do rescue, but they have moved to a different platform. Um, it's to their A-Star, which is a Type 3 aircraft. Um, it is a different platform that uh, is much smaller, so it does change their operation, but they still are able to, to function and rescue. They do have uh, hoist capabilities, um, as well as paramedic rescuers that are on that helicopter. Uh, we, like I said, we did some training last month, and they did show us the operation, um, and they are pretty much able to accomplish the same mission as they did before, it's just a different configuration. And one thing that I think is important for, for crews out there to recognize is if you do have sheriffs, it'll be Duke three um, on a remote rescue and they have a patient that needs to be loaded onto a backboard or C-spine or anything like that. Um, they basically need to reconfigure the inside of the aircraft. So they'll fly over to a landing zone, reconfigure the aircraft craft so that they're able to fit the patient inside. So just know if that's happening on a call, um, that that is what they're doing is making room for that patient. So they are still able to provide uh, rescue. They still do cover rescue Friday, Saturdays and Sundays. And uh, I believe their intent is to get the Hueys back in service or, or at least have a type two platform at some point. All right. That, that makes sense. And I know uh, what they're doing with their A-Star is, is nothing different than the CHP does up and down the state. Correct. So it's not like they're inventing what they're doing. They're basically doing what other agencies are doing. It's just a little different. And that's good that you guys have trained with them. So we have an idea of what's going on. Well, that's, that's, uh, that was, th those are my questions. I really appreciate you uh, giving that overview um, of the program. It sounds like really good stuff is happening. Um, if you don't mind sticking around, maybe you can ask me a few of these questions from the field, and uh, then we can wrap this thing up. All right. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. As we begin to surplus out our old medic vans, will the OCFA be purchasing ambulance-style units for relief or special events? Uh, that's, a, that's a good question, and I probably see where that's coming from overall. The, currently, there's no plan uh, to replace uh, our old medic vans. As a matter of fact, we were going to get rid of those medic vans just before the... Uh, uh, pandemic started and we've hung on to a, a large majority of them for an emergency purposes only but uh, we do use them for the special event medics and um, the plan is eventually when our medic units start going out of service uh, that they will replace the old medic van so right now as of today there is no no plan to replace those okay thank you uh, another question from the field march is a typical retirement season can you provide some clarification of pending worker workers comp injuries and treatment for those injured if an employee retires um well yeah if someone has an injury they continue to get treatment um even after they retire there's there's really no no difference there there it's it's straightforward uh so if I was to retire and had a workers' comp injury, I would continue uh, dealing with workers' comp just like I was if I was working. Uh, there's really no difference at all. 
And kind of a follow-up, I believe, with that one. Is it true that if you're off on a workers' comp injury and you retire, your treatment is now considered low priority and you get moved to the back of the line? Yeah, I don't, I don't know where that question or that, that information came from, but um, that's not true. It's the same procedure, uh, just like I said, uh, to get your treatments, whether you're on the job or you're off the job. I know sometimes people do get frustrated because workers' comp sometimes can take a while, um, but there's no difference uh, in treating someone whether they're on the job or off the job. Okay, great. Uh, the state of California is in a declared state of emergency for drought conditions. What is the OCFA doing to comply with the drought and who is coordinating our plan? Uh, okay, yeah, this is a, an interesting question and it's definitely applicable to what's going on here in the state. Even though uh, it's December and we're getting a little bit of rain right now, we're definitely still in drought conditions. And uh, OCFA has a, uh, an SLP, uh, Best Management Practices, um, related to water uh, waste and water management, and, it, and it's still applicable uh, to reducing water use today. Um, some of the things that are in that, just highlighting that SOP is, uh, you know, when you're training, if possible, use fog streams, uh, especially when you're squirting water for long durations. Try to use the low GPM uh, nozzle settings. Um, the primary method in the SOP is for washing our apparatus is, you know, the bucket and wiping, wiping it down. Um, if that can't happen, then it's like the low volume, high pressure systems without le leaving your water running like we used to do, you know, 20 years ago. Um, it's all about just minimizing the use of water and, you know, utilizing the shut off and shut on whenever it's possible. The department also addressed a couple years ago, the large GPM use during the engineer academies, uh, by using the uh, recyclers that are on the drill grounds. So I think that's definitely something that's going on uh, right now. Oh, and then your last part of your question was, is there anybody that's assigned that specifically? No, not right now. There's nobody assigned that. I did have a conversation with Patrick uh, in property management, and that's kind of where we stand. Okay, great. Uh, can you provide an update on the status of charging of personnel's vehicles, electric vehicles at OCFA facilities? Yeah, this is uh, really a hot topic, and, and I'll start with um, a little bit of the background. Um, we know that individuals have electric cars. We know that that's the potential future uh, here in the state of California. Um, who knows, we might even have an electric fire engine someday. So uh, individuals have been charging their cars at the stations, and we didn't really think too much of it until we got a complaint uh, from a citizen. Um, we started looking into it, and we received an additional complaint. Um, from an individual and then we said you know what there's uh, we, we definitely got to do something about this so what we basically said is let's take a time out no charging your vehicles at the station um, let's start looking at um, legislation uh, you know when you're at the station I'll hear people say oh it's required that OCFA provides uh, electricity if you have an electric car and that is not the case. Um, it's a good story. Uh, we've tried to definitely find any type of legislation or anything that says that that's, you know, where we're going. And I'm sure someday we will end up there to where there's chargers at the station and there's some sort of mechanism to um, pay for your electricity that you're getting from the county. But as of today, that's not the case. Uh, there's an SOP that's being developed. And uh, unless something changes uh, shortly, it'll probably be there's no charging your electric vehicles uh, at the stations. Okay, great, thank you. Uh, Chief, can you provide an update on the UTV? Oh, good, yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a great question. And, and we're making progress. And, and I know we got the UTV uh, almost a year ago. 
Um, we've been working on some details and, and uh, we outfitted the UTV uh, uh, probably a couple months ago to where we can actually put somebody uh, in a backboard on it and transport them. Remember the use of the UTV will be um, as needed. It's not going to be put on any um, initial responses. Um, it'll be used as a supplemental piece of equipment if the IC deems there's a need for it. Maybe uh, the helicopter's down or maybe they're socked in from fog. Then uh, we'll have access to this UTV. Uh, it'll be a special unit that only people that are trained in. It, I mean, it can go 70 miles an hour. It is a little bit top heavy. Um, you're looking at it going, it could, it could potentially be a disaster, uh, you know, if we roll this thing over. So uh, we took a step back. Uh, we've written an SOP on it. Um, and it really focuses on safety. Uh, there'll be individuals that are trained, the trainers, they're going to get trained from the factory or where we bought it. And then they'll go out, uh, train individuals how to drive it. And then they'll get a task book, just like you would in any ICS position and eventually get signed off on it. So we're hoping we get enough people trained up to where it's available all the time, but there's always a possibility someone's not working that day or that the vehicle is out of service. Uh, this is the first one that we're getting, and we'll look at it to see if it makes sense that we have them. Uh, initially, we think the best place to put it is Station 54. So we'll be training them up along with some training officers and, uh, and take a look at it and see uh, how it goes. All right, uh, that wraps up um, our session today. Uh, I, I do want to touch on a few things um, from last uh, podcast. Um, we talked uh, briefly on staffing, uh, actually a pretty detailed on staffing, and I just want to let everybody know that uh, the progress and the plan is working. Um, we've got some promotions lined up uh, for engineer. We've got uh, 20 in the next engineer academy and a potential 17 for the following engineer academy if needed. And right now at this point in time, we have 57 uh, captains that have passed, uh, turned in their application and have passed their uh, written. So things are progressing well. Uh, 75 candidates came in for chief's interviews uh, for the first firefighter paramedic academy and um, they've all moved on so they're all in backgrounds and physicals so the, the the plan that we laid out on the last podcast and that we're moving forward is so far working so so good news there uh, we also talked in detail about fullerton on the last one and the latest update is uh, the january Fullerton City Council meeting, they've asked for a proposal or a, they've already got the proposal. They've asked for a presentation. So we'll be doing a presentation on there. So a little bit of progress there. And then the very last thing I've got for you, and since today is December 22nd, uh, we're in the midst of um, some pretty high numbers with COVID. And I'll just tell you today, we have 60 people off, uh, 38 from ops. Um, just some pretty big numbers and, and, and things are spiking kind of like they did last year at this time. Uh, you'll, if, you, if you've seen or had a chance to look at your email, we've sent an updated matrix out on just what we need to do to try to slow this down. Um, we, we potentially could have some issues here over the holidays or even afterwards with staffing. We've got a plan in place. Um, just try to take care of each other, try to be safe out there, follow some direction. Um, wear your masks when needed, and uh, and we'll get through this. I want to wish everybody a happy holidays, and um, we'll see you on the next one.